0: I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired.
1: And remember this date. July 20th, 2023, the day that Charles Grassley released the 1023 form regarding Joe Biden's corruption and his involvement with Ukraine. And this is the day that the Biden regime starts to crumble as well as the deep state. There's always inflection points in history. In the Revolutionary War, it was the attack on Trenton, New Jersey. Washington's army attacked the Hessians at Trenton and won. That was one inflection point. And today we got an inflection point regarding the Biden administration and the deep state. And I played the cold open from Joe Biden's seminar with the Council on Foreign Affairs. And he's out there bragging how he withheld funding in in order to get a Ukrainian prosecutor fired. Now think about that. In the first place, what Vice President of the United States has ever withheld funding in order to target one individual in another country that doesn't pass the smells test. And then we find out that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, was working for Barisma, which was a target of the prosecutor that Biden wanted fired. And remember the press and the media and the Democrats. Oh, you're you're just conspiracy theorists. There's no relationship between Hunter Biden being hired by Barisma. And Joe Biden withholding funds unless a certain prosecutor was fired that was going after the company that was just hired by. But no, no, no. You guys are just conspiracy theorists. You're just all political. And then the Republicans took over control of the House in 2022. And everything changed. And the Democrats and the media still covered for the Bidens. Oh, you have no evidence. There was already a Senate investigation. They found nothing. And all along, the deep state, the FBI has been withholding significant evidence from the American people to the benefit of Joe Biden and the deep state. And this most significant evidence that just came out, and there may be more, there likely will be more. And I'll get into the IRS whistleblowers in a bit, but let's just focus on this. There's so much to do with Biden, there's just so much. We've got money that he's getting from Ukraine. We've got money that he was getting from China. We've got money that he was getting from Romania. But in this case, let's just focus on the Ukrainian money that was coming into him. And in a broad sense, essentially what the 1023 form that re- was released by Senator Grassley. said, yeah, Joe Biden was involved with a shakedown scheme. He was taking kickbacks while he was vice president of the United States. And I've read the 1023. And what I'm going to go to is I'm just going to do some, uh, go to some highlights. And this is taken from the New York Post. It says here, in late 2015, early 2016, the informant met with the chief financial officer of Burisma, who bragged that they hired Hunter Biden to protect us, through his dad, from all kinds of problems. So again, let's just get a time frame here. And this is late 2015 and early 2016. And Joe Biden made the threat to withhold United States money from Ukraine. I think it was in March of 2016. In 2016, the informant met with Mikola Zlicevsky, the head of Burisma, the company that hired Hunter Biden for protection, asked about Shokin's investigation into Barisma. Again, Shokin is the investigator that Joe Biden wanted fired. So when asked about Shokin's investigation into Barisma, Zlachevsky replied something to the effect of, don't worry, Hunter Biden will take care of all of those issues through his dad. Cost $5 million to pay one Biden and $5 million to pay another Biden. And later on, Zlachevsky re- refers to Joe Biden as the big guy. Remember that? The big guy. Seems to be a popular name for Joe Biden throughout this whole corrupt scheme he has going on. The informant then asked Zlachevsky why he did not hire some normal U.S. oil and gas advisors. The response was that although Hunter Biden was stupid and his dog was smarter than Hunter Biden, Zlachevsky needed to keep Hunter Biden on board so everything will be okay. And the Bidens pressured him, Zlachevsky said. He stated that he didn't want to pay the Bidens, but he was being pushed to pay them. He has many text messages and recordings. That show he was coerced to make such payments. Asked whether Hunter Biden or Joe Biden told Zlicevsky he should retain Hunter Biden. Zlicevsky replied, they both did. Asked if he had any proof that he was pressured to pay the Bidens. Zlicevsky said he had a total of 17 recordings involving the Bidens. Two of the recordings include Joe Biden, and the remaining 15 recordings include only Hunter Biden. The informant reiterated that, per Zlicevsky, these recordings... Evidence, Zlachevsky, was somehow coerced into paying the Bidens to ensure Ukraine prosecutor Viktor Shokin was fired. Asked about the payments, Zlachevsky responded he did not send any funds directly to the big guy, which was understood to be a reference to Joe Biden. It would take investigators 10 years to find out the records, the illicit payments to Joe Biden. And again, this confidential informant is a highly credible informant that the FBI has been using for years. And what gets me is this is just how these shakedown politicians work. Now, Biden's talking about it for a number of reasons. One, he's trying to get ahead of it in case it blows up. Because his first line of defense was, no, 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 I didn't do this to help Joe, uh, Hunter Biden. I did this to help Ukraine. I wanted to get rid of Victor Shokin, the prosecutor. Had nothing to do with Hunter Biden. And that's how they work, because what happens is that when this issue was raised, the media love to say, oh, that's old, old news. Biden talked about it years ago. He did good. He got rid of a bad prosecutor. And that's where they form their narrative. The Democrats form their narrative on these things years before a narrative is needed. And this is what really surprised me. You know, this Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is no better than some Hudson County politician, shakedown artist that uses a bag man. And in Joe Biden's case, he used his crack addicted son as his bagman. And quite frankly, this is a smoking gun. This is as close to a smoking gun as we can get. And not only bothers me that the Biden did this, it bothers me that the FBI sat on this for years and pushed back on or pushed back on the House investigation into this. And this gives us every reason to impeach Joe Biden. And there's so much more to come out on this. And just a comment on impeachment. This is where Kevin McCarthy's leadership is going to come in. He's got to get enough votes within the Republicans to vote for the impeachment. And quite frankly, I think he's going to get a couple of Democrats to go along with the impeachment. And some people out there, they say, well, even if you impeach him in the House, he still has to be tried in the Senate. And the Senate's not going to convict him because there just won't be enough votes in the Senate to convict him. So what? So what if he's not convicted? You still have to impeach him in the House. What Joe Biden has done rises to the level of impeachment, particularly what the Democrats did to Donald Trump. They set such a low bar that the Biden case jumps over that very easily. And again, this draws a line in the sand. For the Republicans, this is what you stand for. Because this is a battle for independent voters who may not know the intricacies of the government like you or I do. So assume you didn't impeach him. You're going to get some independents out there, even some Democrats. Well, if it was so bad, why didn't you impeach him? And that's what you expose yourself to when you don't impeach Joe Biden for this. So again, this is going to be a test for McCarthy. Well, I still think they also should impeach Merrick Garland. And and we'll get into that later with the IRS whistleblowers. So last Sunday, while Donald Trump was having dinner with his family, he received a target letter from the Department of Justice. And essentially what a target letter is, is a letter stating that you're under investigation and nine times out of ten, these target letters result in an indictment. And this has to do with Trump's involvement on J6. And it's going to be adjudicated in Washington, D.C. And what everyone thinks is, the reason that he's getting indicted in Washington, D.C., for J-6, it has to do with the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment, it's Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, and it essentially says that anyone who has been engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the United States cannot run for office. And look, as I said before, this is, this is all grooming. You know, this is why we had the J6 hearings early on. They were grooming the American people in particular. They were grooming the Washington jury base trying to define Donald Trump as an insurrectionist. And look, a lot of experts are out there saying that, look, you know, if they're going to try to pin Donald Trump being an insurrectionist simply by his statements, by his speech saying, you know, go peacefully in protest. It doesn't have a chance, but don't forget the trial is going to be in Washington, D.C., where they hate Donald Trump, and this jury pool has been groomed by everything that they heard about Donald Trump during the J6 hearings. So just be prepared. Trump will likely be convicted of everything in what he's being charged with for his J6 involvement. Now don't fret it still has to it will still have to go through the court system and i i find it highly unlikely that once this the uh, conviction of Donald Trump for his involvement with J6 reaches the supreme court i i find it hard to believe that the supreme court would agree with any J6 convinc- uh, conviction of Donald Trump regarding an insurrection but here's what they're trying to do they're just trying to continue to poke maga poke Trump supporters into responding violently and don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. That's all they're trying to do. They're trying to win these short-term cases in the courts. And quite frankly, I find it hard to believe that he'll lose the Mar-a-Lago case. I just think he'll win the Mar-a-Lago case. And I think, you know, I don't know if he's going to win the New York case. I, you know, it all has to do with jury pools today. Isn't it a shame? It all has to do with jury pools. So, New York, he'll probably lose. They hate New, uh, Trump in New York City. Any J6 litigation as a result of this target letter, he'll probably lose, lose because it's going to be in Washington, D.C. The jury pool is going to be in Washington, D.C. The Mar a Lago case, it's being adjudicated in a pro Trump area, so he'll likely win that. And now you've got this also, you've got this Atlanta grand jury that's out. About Trump's involvement with, uh, remember getting those 10,000 votes? Remember, he went to the state, uh, secretary of state, Rathensberger, and he said, Look, you got to find me, you know, all you need to do is find 10,000 votes. And they twisted that into meaning that Donald Trump was forcing him to cheat, which is so ironic. But he'll probably lose that case because it's going to be adjudicated in Atlanta. But I'm digressing. All they're trying to do is just push the buttons. Of Trump supporters, they're trying to elicit some kind of violent response so they can say, see, 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 this is what you're going to get. So all I can tell people is don't respond because this all play out. Let it go through the court system. I think most of these cases are going to wind up in the Supreme Court, even if they get adjudicated before the election. I'm not even convinced that any of these cases are going to get adjudicated before the election. The New York case is going to take place on March, 2024. The Mar-a-Lago case is going to be held on May 2024. This pending J6 indictment, they'll try to speed it up, but who knows? So let it go through the court system. You know, I've heard some people saying, oh, you know, if they convict Trump of an insurrection, I'm just not going to pay my taxes. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're only going to hurt yourself. Because you got to remember, We are the kulaks. We are the Ukrainian kulaks against the Bolsheviks during the Russian Revolution. But we are bigger and more powerful than the kulaks were against the Bolsheviks. Remember, there are more of us than them in America today. And the Ukrainian kulaks were relatively wealthy farmers, landowners in Ukraine that had enough money, enough power on their own to fight back. And the Bolsheviks could not handle that. So they had to go out and destroy them. But we're more powerful than Ukrainian kulaks. So pay your taxes, because essentially all they're going to do is they'll put a lien on your house, take your house away eventually. And it doesn't hurt them, because these knuckleheads are just going to borrow more money if they don't get enough coming in. And you have to keep yourself financially strong to fight back. Because as a whole, we're wealthier than the group. Everybody likes to say, oh, the top 1% or... The top 2% pay 40% of the taxes. Well, guess who pays the rest? Us. Remember that. So don't do anything to hurt yourself financially. Use that money to battle in the social arena, the political arena. And all I can say is he's going to get indicted. He's going to get convicted in Washington. So just be prepared, but don't have a knee-jerk reaction
2: on this. Because ultimately we will win. My name is Gary Shapley. I've worked as a special agent for IRS criminal investigation for 14 years. I have risen to become a senior leader in the organization and currently supervise 12 elite agents in the International Tax and Financial Crimes Group. There should not be a two track justice system depending on who you are and who you're connected to. Yet, in this case, there was. Based on my experience, I'm here to tell you that the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office and Department of Justice handling the Hunter Biden tax investigation was very different from any other case in my 14 years at the IRS. At every stage, decisions were made that benefited the subject of this investigation. Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews. The Biden transition team was tipped off about interviews the night before the investigation went over. a fact my FBI counterpart confirmed to this committee in recent testimony. After our investigation had largely concluded by the end of 2021, the IRS recommended charging Hunter Biden with multiple felonies and several misdemeanors for the tax years of 2014 through 2019. The Delaware Assistant United States Attorneys and Tax Division Trial Attorneys supported charging the felonies and misdemeanors listed in Exhibit 2 of my interview transcripts on page 44 and 45, which were officially referred to the Department of Justice Tax Division in February of 2022. This case was presented to the Washington, D.C., U.S. Attorney's Office in or around March 2022. In April 2022, in a hearing, Attorney General Garland was asked how the American people could be confident the administration was conducting a serious investigation into the president's own son. Attorney General Garland responded by saying, because we put the investigation in the hands of a Trump appointee. He led Congress to believe the case was insulated from improper political influence because all decisions were being made exclusively by Delaware United States Attorney David Weiss, but that was not true. The Justice Department allowed the President's political appointees to weigh in on whether to charge the President's son. I watched United States Attorney Weiss tell a room full of senior FBI and IRS senior leaders on October 7, 2022, that he was not the deciding person on whether char- charges were filed. That was my red line. I had already seen a pattern of preferential treatment and obstruction. Now United States Weiss was admitting that what the American people believed based on Attorney General's sworn, sworn statement was false. I can no longer stay silent. No number of carefully worded denials or evolving half-truths can overshadow this stark fact. United States Attorney Weiss and Attorney General Garland will each be sitting before these committees one day. They will have to admit that despite all their obfuscation, the absolute fact is that this case was presented to two presidentially appointed U.S. attorneys in D.C. and California. That no charges were brought in those districts tells you everything that you need to know.
1: That was Gary Shapley, one of two IRS whistleblowers that testified this week. And and there's a couple of things that just jump out at me. One is that we know that there's Merrick Garland's fingerprints all over this thing. In spite of what he told Congress and the American people. And that's got to be addressed. And the other clear thing that points out is that these IRS investigators as well as DOJ prosecutors recommended felony charges against Hunter Biden. But when it, once it hit the higher ups, it was just stonewalled. And what really gets me Did they not think that this was eventually going to come out? Maybe they did because this deep state's been protecting each other for 40 years, 50 years. So maybe they just thought everything was going to continue. Another item that jumps out at me during this testimony is that these IRS agents and these lower level DOJ attorneys were not allowed to look into Joe Biden. Daddy, the big guy. And we're told that by higher ranking political Department of Justice attorneys. So the memo about 10% for the big guy, as well as the WhatsApp message. Remember that one? I'm sitting here with my father. And where's our money? Well, they weren't allowed to look at that. Now, with everything that we know now, and I mentioned this before, is that this uh, existing corrupt plea deal for Hunter Biden has to be approved by a judge. And it has not yet happened. So if the judge has any sense of justice, any sense of doing the right thing, she'll set that aside and tell the prosecutors to go back. It's highly unusual, but because of what we know today, this judge that has to approve the plea deal has to reject it. And with that said, I want to go back to the uh, second whistleblower, Joe Ziegler. And boy, were the Democrats shocked when Ziegler announced that He's a Democrat and he's a gay Democrat. I don't know if they knew how to respond, but I do believe they immediately became he immediately became the enemy. And this is what the Democrats do. Even if you're gay, even if you're a Democrat, but you don't toe the party line. You don't toe the corrupt party line. They'll just attack you. And this is how they work. You're not an individual. You're just a tool in the cog of the Democratic Party in the deep state. And because of that, they went after Ziegler. So let's go to a clip by Ziegler. And then we'll come back and discuss, because Ziegler's talking about a special counsel on this. So let's go to a clip by Ziegler, and then we'll come back.
2: It appeared to me, based on what I experienced, that the U.S. attorney in Delaware In our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials, as well as other U.S. attorneys. I still think that a special counsel is necessary for this investigation. So if the approving
1: judge is listening, please take note of this. Now, one thing that also stuck out at me during these hearings is there was one African-American representative and... You know, and she's up there with her soliloquy about how black people have been on the short end of the stick regarding the two-tiered system. And I think she's in denial because the perfect example of the two-tiered system is staring her right in the face, particularly with Hunter Biden's gun charge. Do you know how many African-Americans that are in jail that did the same thing or a similar thing to what Hunter Biden did regarding his gun? Why is she silent on that? That's the perfect example of a two-tiered system where African-Americans get the short end of the stick. Oh, Hunter Biden's okay. She's okay with Hunter Biden getting a slap on the wrist regarding her gun charge. But African-Americans can go to jail for something similar? I I just don't get That's twisted logic. She should be up there pounding the table saying, I will not accept this. And you want to talk about white privilege? There you go. Hunter Biden, white privilege. And that's the ironic thing about the Democrats. They're always talking about white privilege. But the only people that really have the white privilege are the white liberals in the Democratic Party and the white liberals that are in our deep state. They don't understand. They will sell you out in a heartbeat. They look down on you. They don't think you're capable. And when push comes to shove, they throw you in jail. But these African-American Democrats are just in denial. And the reason they're in denial is that they're just part of the cog and they fully accept it. They're just a cog in the wheel of the Democratic Party. And if they have to throw some of their African-American constituents under the bar, a bus to keep their own power, they will. So we shall see. Speaking about Democrats attacking Democrats that don't toe the far left line, RFK Jr. testified this week at a House census hearing, And boy, was he attacked beforehand. Now, there were 102 Democrats have signed a letter and sent it to Jim Jordan asking Jim Jordan to disinvite RFK Jr. because he made an anti-Semitic remark during a lunch where he has stated a scientific study that said that COVID affected white people and black people more than it did Asians and Ashkenazic Jews. And I don't know how you can twist that into RFK Jr. being anti-Semitic just doesn't make sense, but the Democrats will twist anything to go after people that don't toe the far left line. And what the far left line is in this case is that, look, the Democrats are for censoring. We don't like what you say. We're going to censor you. You want to talk about a study that says Asians and Ashkenazic Jews were harmed less by the COVID than blacks and white people. That's anti-Semitic. Well, if we deem it is, you can't talk about it. So prior to the hearing, he was taking hits from all the Democrats They were attacking him, and he had a written speech to use as his testimony. But he just threw that all out and just said, look, I want to address this issue, what you're talking about right now. So let's go to the clip, and he hits the nail on the head with his comment, you're censoring a censorship meeting. So let's go to the clip where he says that.
0: Many of my fellow Democrats, I've spent my life in this party. I've devoted my life to the values of this party. This 102 people sign this. This itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address. This is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing.
1: And then he goes on to discuss the term malinformation, which is essentially the truth that the government doesn't want the people to hear. So let's go to the clip.
0: I was the first person censored by, the, as the chairman pointed out, by the Biden administration two days after it came into office. It ordered a truthful, and by the way, they had to invent a new word called malinformation. Dude, to, to, to censor people like me, hey, there was no misinformation on my Instagram account. Everything I put on that account was cited and sourced the peer-reviewed publications or government databases. Nobody has ever pointed to a single piece of misinformation that I publish. I was removed for something they called malinformation. Malinformation is information that is true, but is inconvenient to the government, that they don't want people to hear. And and that's antithetical to the values of our country.
1: And then RFK Jr. goes on to say that Because he's running for president, he has a bigger platform, and it's harder for the Democrats to censor him. So they take a different tactic. And RFK Jr. calls it targeted propaganda, which is essentially a smear campaign against him. So let's go back to the hearing, and then we'll come back and discuss.
0: After I announced my presidency, it became more difficult for people to censor me So now I'm subject to this new form of censorship, which is called targeted propaganda, where people apply pejoratives like anti-vax. I've never been anti-vaccine, but everybody in this room probably believes that I have been, because that's the prevailing narrative. Anti-Semitism, racism, these are, are the most appalling, disgusting pejoratives, and they're applied to me to silence me because people don't want me to have that conversation about the war, about groceries, about inflation, about the war on the middle class in this country that we need to be having. And and by the way, I want to say this, while I'm on the record, that in my entire life, and why I'm under oath, in my entire life, I have never uttered a phrase that was either racist or anti-Semitic. I have spent my life fighting my professional career, fighting for Israel, for the protection of Israel. I have a better record on Israel than anybody in this chamber today. I'm the only person who has publicly objected to the two billion dollar payout that the Biden administration is now making to Iran, which is a, is a, a genocidal program. I'm the only one who's subjected to that. i fought more ferociously for Israel than anybody. But I am being censored here through this target, through, uh, through, through smears, through misinterpretations of what I've said, through lies, through association, which is a tactic that we all thought we had been discredited and dispensed with after the Army-McCarthy hearings in the 1950s. But those same weapons are now being deployed against me to silence me.
1: And the one thing that sticks out for me is that they're doing the same thing to RFK Jr. that they're doing to Donald Trump. Only they're doing it to Donald Trump times 10. And they've also weaponized the DOJ, the FBI, the deep state against Donald Trump. So whatever they're doing to RFK Jr., Multiply it by 10, at least, and that's what they're doing to Donald Trump. But this is how they work. They can't silence Donald Trump, so they're going to use targeted propaganda against him. When targeted propaganda doesn't work against Donald Trump, they're going to use the Department of Justice, the FBI, the deep state against Donald Trump. And that's what we're all fighting. RFK realizes it. We realize it. And that's why we have to support Donald Trump. He's not perfect. But as I've always said, if they can do it to Trump, they can do it to you. Most Americans realize it. Oh, before I forget, I just want to make a comment about RFK Jr. and vaccines. He is not anti vaccines He's always said that. He wants safe vaccines. And because he wants safe vaccines, it's causing big pharma government agencies to work harder to produce a better product instead of using the American people and the people of the world as experiments. That's all he wants. But this targeted propaganda, RFK is anti-vax. So with that said, I want to thank you for listening. You have a good week and I'll see you next Saturday.